Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living La Belle Vie. I am your host, Monday Young, and today I am so excited to be talking with Andrea Drenkin, who is a mental health advocate and a published author. Her book is called Bipolar Phoenix, and today we're going to be talking about something that is really essential, and that is mental health, and particularly mental health concerning people living abroad. Sometimes it can be challenging even in our own hometowns, in our own places, to reach out and ask for help when we need them, but it's even more difficult if we're in a country where we may not know the language, we may not know people. So really, having this discussion about how do we keep our mental health in check even when we are living abroad in strange and different places without our normal support system. Andrea is going to be sharing a bit of her journey, talking a bit about her book and um, the coaching that she will be helping people with in the future and also her Facebook live show where people can tune in to talk about mental health issues. And we're just going to be exploring all of that. And at the end of the broadcast, she is going to be sharing some advice and tips with, with all of you listening today to help you on your mental health journey if you should be facing some challenges while you are living abroad. So, Andrea, welcome and thank you for being here to talk with me today. Thanks, Monday. It's so nice to see you again. Looking yeah. forward to the. Yes, we met at a expat women's conference, and I really enjoyed uh, Andrea's talk, and that's how we got to be here today, speaking about mental health. So, Andrea, tell me. Let's tell tell the listeners a bit about yourself and your book. Sure. Uh, I'm an American. I grew up in a little town called Mystic, Connecticut. Yes, Mystic Pizza, but spent most of my adult life in the city of Chicago. Uh, I married my husband at 40 years old and moved to Singapore with him so he could run a company here. Um, prior to all that, I had quite a, a journey with bipolar disorder, and it took me the better part of eight to 10 years to go from diagnosis to really getting my Life Together, which is my book, Bipolar Phoenix, subtitle, My Effed Up Life and How I Fixed It. And that's basically what it's about. But I, I did all of, this hard work, all of this hard work before I moved to Singapore. And when I got to Singapore, you know, I had a lot of really good habits and plans in place that I'm happy to share with everyone. And also I had time to write the book. So those were the, the keys about moving to Singapore was that I was ready to handle new challenges with mental health. I was in a good place and then I could share my story and uh, I continue to support the expat community here in Singapore with mental health. I have a women's support group and I do individual outreach as well. So I'm on top of the You're mental on health top game. Of it. You're on top of the mental health game. So it, in your opinion, how, how, how much do you think the expat community is, is, is dealing with mental health issues, not necessarily to have a disorder, but just even if they're suffering from depression, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, all those things that we can all uh, go through when we're in a new place. And sometimes that life can get quite overwhelming or leaving our old lives behind also can shift us into other mental sort of states. So what, what would you say how is that affecting the expat community in your opinion? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, temporary conditions can occur in the expat life. You know, maybe you've never had depression. You've never been isolated before. Maybe you've never been anywhere where people didn't think the way that you did. And these create these, these mental stress, which can manifest as anxiety, panic attacks. Maybe you don't want to leave the house. Maybe you're depressed. You don't want to do anything. Um, as you mentioned, all these things, uh, you know, go hand in hand with making major life changes. And of course, Moving is a big thing. Getting married is a big thing. Getting a job, losing a job, having a kid. But moving to another country is adding on a lot of cultural stressors, including language, uh, dealing for mental health, dealing with the level of stigma that may be attached to that particular society. I'm in Asia, and I definitely have a different vibe with stigma against mental illness than in the United States. True. Um, even in England, when I lived in England, it was much more... Uh, agreeable to talk about these things, but we're working on breaking down those stigmas. But absolutely, uh, the lifestyle that we have to adopt in order to to get by every day, to adjust, all these adjustments can be very stressful. And yeah, people might experience temporary, I always say it's sort of a temporary insanity. It's not a lifelong diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Those of us who have lifelong diagnosis, like, like myself, I have plans in place to make sure that all of these challenges that that come up, whether it's stigma or access to care, that I know what I'm doing. And it's because I educate myself and I educate other people too. Nice. So if that's, that's an interesting point that you brought up. It's the way cultures view mental issues. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's something we don't think about a lot, especially if we're moving to a new place. It's like, if you're suffering from depression or if you have a mental illness, um, people probably don't think how is that viewed in that culture? If when you're coming from a culture, like say the States or like you said, the United Kingdom, where now everyone is really open and talking about mental health issues and seeing how important it is. So how, how would you say people can deal with if there's somewhere where mental health issues aren't talked about and there's a stigma around it? How did you deal with that kind of situation? I'm full on 100% anti-stigma. So for me, and it's my personality, it's also my life's work as a journalist and an author and someone who's lived through some very terrible times of mental illness. It is absolutely my goal in life to bust down all that stigma. And I'm not afraid. And I am paving the way for other people so it can be a little more acceptable. I know that I have Singaporean friends here who say, Andrea, thank you for speaking out. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for for letting it be okay. So for me, I'm a little different in the sense of everything that I've been through. And I have this book with my name on it that says I'm bipolar. And, you know, I have to live with that exposure every every time I write about mental health. Um, that's my path. But for, for everyday folks who may be dealing with uh, looking at stigma in the culture that they're, they're living in, maybe not their own culture, um, you really have to stick to your guns in terms of how am I going to take care of myself? Try not to listen to the noise and the criticisms because those are the types of things that will keep you from getting treatment. We don't want that. We want you to go to the doctor. We want you to look up information to help yourself. We don't want you to say, uh, stay in the back room because that's what, you know, this, these people said you should do, or this is what my grandmother did and, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. you know, we're dealing with the shame, feeling ashamed yeah. of how you, shame. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't tell people how to feel. And I would love to say, don't be ashamed. It's going to be great. Yeah. Not, I know how hard it is. I know what it's like to have someone walk away from me because they think I'm crazy. 
you know, I know what it feels like to be turned down, rejected, and otherwise judged because I have said I'm bipolar as an American living in overseas. I know the feeling and it hurts. And it's yeah. and you say, why did I say anything? But I'm past that. But for yourself, for anyone else, you really need to think about how do I take the best care of myself and don't try not to let them influence you. Go to the professionals, go to the people who understand, not the people who don't understand. And do you think that, um, seeing as you're in Singapore, and I know you've traveled to some other places as well, do you think the level of care of helping people diagnose uh, and be treated is in some places, is it better than others? How do you, how do you, how would you say someone can deal with if they're facing an issue? Uh, do you think most people can feel confident that everywhere they go, there's some sort of mental health support? I've, I've thought about this question a lot. And I'll say that I, I everyone expects it to, you to say, oh no, there's certain parts of the world that are so bad. But you know what? The places that I've been, um, I think they're pretty good because medical doctors, this is my thing, go to a medical doctor, go get a diagnosis, go get some professional help from a doctor, not a healer, not a, not a yoga teacher, not someone who does oils. I mean, really go to the medical professionals, even if it's a psychologist, because I mean, people go to Thailand for care, Hong Kong, Singapore. I've been in a, um, I stayed at a, a, a Ayurvedic hospital in India yeah. and I wasn't being treated for mental health, but there was someone there that was. And, and the, the doctor was an awesome, he was awesome about it. He was fantastic. And that was in the middle of the mountains in India. Yeah. So, I mean, I do believe that if you go to the right place, you find the right access. And my, my point of the right access is medical doctors. Yeah. That's yeah. where you're going to get the help. You know, that's and something, gonna... that's something that I can agree with. I mean, I have, I have a degree in, in alternative medicine. And when I was doing that degree, you know, and, and it, and that degree was cause you know, I believe in well-being, you know, mental, physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, and the, the major thing that is stress, that even though we can use alternative methods, you need to be properly diagnosed. You cannot treat something if you do not know what it is. So, I mean, in that, I really agree with you. Going to see someone who is a professional, who deals with those things specifically to tell you what it is that you might be dealing with so that you can then get, you have choice and options of treatment. Right. And, and the medical community is clinical and they're going to look at your behavior and your symptoms and things that are documented years and years and years and years and years. It's not judgment. It's medical science. It's a medical evaluation. Now in my book, I talk a lot about a lot of alternative therapies and Monday, you and I have talked about yeah. the different things that we both do. Now I, I love alternative therapies. However, for myself, I cannot replace it with medical yes. care. I do both. There's room for both. There's yeah. room for for um, re a religion or um, yeah. or a spiritual practice. There's room mm. for you know uh, other things. But absolutely agree. Um, start they with the medical. They can definitely complement each other. That's what I tell people. You know, they general medicine and alternative uh, methods. They can support each other, and I think that. They, they work the best when we're using them both together. When we have a balance of information, uh, we get more informed choices. But the next question I wanted to ask you is, at what point do you think, what are some of the signs when someone should say to themselves, I need to go 
talk to someone or I need to get help? Absolutely. Um, number one question, are you functioning? Are you eating? Are you getting out of bed? Are you sleeping? Are you changing your clothes? Are you taking care of everyone else and not yourself? Are you, mm. are you just, you know, are you, you can tell when people are a wreck, you know, yeah. maybe they haven't slept or they're not taking good care of themselves. Maybe they're drinking too much or spending too much money or, or just some kind of excessive, like abuse, self-abusive behavior. Um, you know, I hope for everyone out there that you can look at yourself and say, I'm not taking care of myself. I can't, I got to do something. But to everyone else, we all have friends. Look at your friends and see, are they functioning? Are, is something starting to sound wrong? I have some lovely friends who know me very well. And if I go radio silent, they check in with me. Yeah. Because they know, they know that I get upset and that things happen. Now I, and I'm, I'm in a very good place, but I, I feel lucky that I've set these things up for myself, but absolutely. Number one question, are you functioning? Are you taking care of your health and your body and the things around you that need to be taken care of in okay. your house? So um, ask yourself, are you functioning? And if you, and if you feel like you're not functioning at this point, you feel like they should go and what, talk to a psychologist or I personally think a medical doctor, like a, 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 a like a physician, yeah, a psychologist is fine too. It's just, I, I know what it feels like to be suffering mm. and then go get medication and have it change my life. I know how amazing that feels. Mm. And mm. I just, I want people to feel, to feel the relief that I felt going to a medical doctor. You can go to a psychologist or a psychotherapist and, mm. Uh, you know, and, and also maybe that's enough and maybe that's all you need to get going. But of course, um, that's just my preference. And so tell me a bit about how you, I know you were saying it was a journey until you got properly diagnosed and got really the sort of medication that you needed to help you to, to live the, you know, vibrant life you're living now. Can you talk to us a bit about that, the sort of diagnosis process and how do you know when you've reached the right diagnosis? Like, do you feel something inside of yourself? Like, okay, this feels right. Or how does, how does that work? Well, I've certainly had a lot of ups and downs. I think I, my life started to unravel around 28 years old. I'm turning 50 this year. Woo. Woo. I made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. So the reason I, the reason I say that is because I was suicidal. I mean, I was suicidal at 31 years old and 30 years old and 28 years old. And, and, and I needed help. And I had an illness that didn't get diagnosed until I was in the hospital with an overdose. And that was oftentimes 20 plus years ago, how bipolar disorder specifically was diagnosed was that you showed up with an overdose. So I've been oh. up and down over the years. Yeah, that was, now things are better. There's earlier intervention now. Yeah. But yeah. back when I was diagnosed, it was like, oh, you don't have depression and anxiety. You have bipolar disorder. Surprise. You know, it was the one, it was one of the main symptoms, if you will. And that's right. just by experience, not by my 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 medical research. But um, a lot of ups and downs. But I think I always got to different levels where I thought, oh, my God, I feel so much better. I got this. Um, mm -hmm. Most recently, most recently, and I'm talking in the past, like, three weeks, I went on a new medication in January. Um, things change. As I said, I'm turning 50 in menopause, and it changes your chemistry. Sure. And people like myself with my illness, I, you have to change meds sometimes. So what, what happened was my daughter broke her leg and I didn't freak out. I was like, I got this. I can handle this. I go from one appointment to the next to the next. And like, I managed 
something in my life without that was traumatic that was stressful but I managed it like a quote unquote air quote normal Normal person person. yeah and I didn't apart so that's an example of how how a change in my medication in my treatment has helped has helped me achieve a level of balance and quality of life that um would not have been accessible without without taking care of things without paying attention to my mental health so it's when you when you feel like you actually managing your life that then you're on the right meds and you've had the right diagnosis yeah it's not like all happy laughy time but it's like okay i'm getting up i'm exercising i have a coffee with a friend I, you know, did a little bit of work or I worked, I helped at the school and I got through the day. Um, you know, when we have problems, people can't get out of bed and they, or, or they can't stop going to Takashimaya and shopping, or they can't stop going to the bar at four o'clock or whatever. Like those kind of problems I see mm-hmm. in the expat world, there's a lot of drinking, shopping, um, restricting eating or really, really, really strict regime, uh, exercise yeah. regimes and those are the types of things that people are trying to control their life um, in the expat world because they're, they're they're lost and they don't know what to do. So they that was kind of leaning in, leading into one of the questions you had about what do I see in the expat community? And those are some things that I see. So the symptoms. Yeah, I mean, I can, I'm, I remember the first time I sort of lived abroad and I, and I went to New Zealand and I was following a partner and I was someone who was a like, workaholic I could say like I was at the time I I and I I was a chef and I was working 16 hour days 12 12 you know I was working six days a week 12 to 16 hour days and when I went to follow that partner my life changed totally all of a sudden I wasn't working and waiting for a visa and I literally was even though I was in the most beautiful place I was so depressed I was mm-hmm. so depressed and I was having anxiety attacks just to go out the house, panic yeah. attacks just to go out the house because it was like my identity was shaken and it was like I didn't know who I was and what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but I, I would say that one of the things that really helped me with that transition was talking with people who I knew would be supportive, like healthy support. Like, I just don't think you can talk to anyone. I think you have to talk to people who have healthy uh, ideas and who, who you know will be someone productive to speak with. What do you think about that? So when you, because I don't yeah. think you can share your pain with everyone. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I do think, and I'm a little discriminating in this way, that I do think you need to talk to other expats. I have a support group for expat women because we understand the like what you just talked about loss of identity. I used to be a senior editor at a magazine in Chicago, and I I had moved here and was ordering dry cleaning and you know food and stuff. Like I didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making joke, but um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the loss of identity is huge. People don't get it. They're like people at home, people who don't understand expats, yeah. local folks will be like, yes, but you live in this blah, blah, blah place. And it's so beautiful. And yeah. you don't have to work and la, la, la. And I'm like, Hey, it's not a movie. You know, um, I definitely think you should talk to other expats. I think you should, I seek out therapists who are expats themselves mm-hmm. or deal with the expat community. And in where I live in Singapore, there are different, um, different organizations that do say expat issues. I write a lot of articles about expat issues and I talk to psychologists about it. So yeah, you got to talk to the right people, not just a healthy, well-rounded, 
um, you know, safe person, like that's going to be positive with you or at least supportive and listening, but also someone who maybe has a similar experience, which is why we're talking here, which is why we're sharing all this information. So we keep the conversation going and you're not alone and you're not wrong to feel bad because you've moved somewhere else. It's okay. So tell us, so let's talk a little bit about your book. So tell me, what can people, what kind of information can they find in there? What, what are, can you give us like titles yeah. of some of your chapters? Uh, and really, um, The first thing I talk about in the beginning of the book is to have a treatment plan. I've already talked a little bit already about having, seeing a medical doctor and following a plan. Now, this is if you have a, you know, full on diagnosis, or maybe it's just temporary. The point is this, you have to deal with it. And you have to deal with it by having a plan. And I think a doctor or a psychologist, medical doctor or psychologist is the way to start. Um, One thing that I talk about in my book is two different chapters that connect. And one is find your family and one is uh, stay accountable to the world. And what I mean here is don't isolate yourself. Reach out, join groups, Mm. join like-minded people. If you like rugby, Go to the rugby club. If you like, you know, a book club, look for an expat book club. If you are a spiritual person, look for the yoga studio or your local church that is in your ethos. Um, Don't isolate yourself. Reach, continue to try to connect with people who will hopefully understand you. And um, stay, and that leads into staying accountable to the world. And that's one of my chapters because if I hadn't done charity work, or I worked a second job at the YMCA where I served served the community, the inner city community in Chicago. I, I It made me feel special and it made me feel important. It made me feel that I mattered, no matter how bad I felt about myself for real. I totally agree with that. When The time I was telling you about when I had first moved uh, you know, with a partner and leaving everything behind, the thing that got me back on my feet was volunteering. It gave me some value and purpose back in, and I think that's like what we were talking about before. As expats, when we, when we, when it does, when the, when the rose-colored glasses fall off, and you, you're in the humdrum of like you're not working. If you're a person who's used to working, and you feel like you need purpose to feel some form of validation for yourself. Um, volunteering is a beautiful way to, to, to find that while you're getting yourself reestablished in your new location. It kind mm-hmm. of reconnects you with yourself, with other people, your community. And it really helped me mentally to have something to go to do that was meaningful. Absolutely. And, and not only that, I think that as expats, but we have the, the privilege to share our best values from whatever country you're from. And to share that and help other people is a great gift. And um, I know I'm able to do that in the community here. Uh, I work with uh, children and and elderly women. I work with um, marginalized communities, uh, handicapped kids. uh, And and I I get to show them what it's like. This is how an American will do it. Or or let me give you some love from from my (laughs) perspective. So I wanted to just go back to find your family because I didn't address that. That was one of my chapters as well. And this might be one of the tips at the end that you wanted to talk about, but it's staying in touch. Right. Call mom, get it, get them on zoom, get your parents on Facebook, get them on WhatsApp. Like that was something that we had to set up to make sure that we stay connected to our friends and family. We didn't just leave. Bye. You know, and then people think you're never coming back. 
I did have a friend who let who let go and didn't bother to talk to me again. But if you create your circle of friends and family, then you can stay connected and, and be part of the family, even though we're really far away. Yeah, having a support system, establishing one and making that a priority is also extremely important. Uh, I would definitely Technology like allows you to not be gone. <laughs> yes, that is so true. <laughs> well, we're, we're running a bit, we're, we're running sort of at the end of our time and I definitely want to get in where you can give sort of the listeners sort of three tips of advice to really help them should they be facing, um, you know, some mental, some mental issues or dealing with their mental disorder while they're abroad, how they can support themselves. Yes. Uh, my first thing is look for the symptoms that we talked about. Are you taking care of yourself? And if not, listen if someone brings it up. Number one, listen or look at yourself and say, am I functioning? Two, don't isolate. Reach out to your family. With technology, reach out to like-minded people, uh, people in the same community or belief systems that you have. And third is practice self-care. Like we talked about alternative methods, yoga, exercise, go for a walk in nature. Just listen to whatever nature is around you. Even if it's Bangkok traffic, I mean, you know, connect with your world and practice self-care. Take a shower, give yourself a home facial, you know, little things. Uh, they that sound frivolous, so but to yeah. take... To take care of yourself is extremely important. Take five minutes to do that. Those are my three, my three yes, tips. Well, that is excellent. So what I now I, I want you to know, I want you to tell me where people can find you. They can find your book, um, yeah. you know, how they can participate on your Facebook page. Okay. My Facebook page is fairly active. It's uh, Bipolar Phoenix Andrea. And I have live shows called Bipolar Phoenix Andrea live talk shows with people from my book, with people from my life, with people who have new therapies um, and, and ways to deal with mental illness, including updates from myself. Maybe I'm having a moment and I want to talk about it. I also have a website, bipolarphoenix.com. You can buy my book, Bipolar Phoenix, My Effed Up Life and How I Fixed It at amazon.com or kindle.com. So okay. that, And I'm on Instagram, Bipolar Phoenix yes. A. Yes, Instagram as well. See my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you so much for coming on here and spending the time to 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 talk with us today and sharing your journey and giving people that advice that is can be so helpful. Sometimes it's 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 one decision between happiness and mm -hmm. and and total unhappiness. And I think self-care is really the most important thing we can do for ourselves. So thank you, Andrea, for speaking with us today. And for all those people who um, would like to get in touch with Andrea, I will be linking all her details in the description below and feel free to contact her if you have any questions about what you heard here today. So I would like to thank all of you for joining us on World Radio Paris, and I look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you so much, Mundy. You're welcome.